hit that record because one time when I well when I was interviewing Cy, oh no, I because that record button isn't great at being tapped, and we got like two or three minutes in. I was like, oh, okay. You're going to have to repeat everything we just... Well, at least it was only two <laughs> yeah, it was only a, it was only a few minutes, so it wasn't terrible. It's not like the time I completely deleted an entire conversation with someone. And My heart. We went back, and it was like charged. It was everything I wanted, and then we had to redo it. Mm. You learn a lot after doing this 30 or 40 times. Yeah, I imagine. Now it's like a well, well-oiled machine. I can get them all edited pretty fast. Here we go. Here we go. Up on the internets now. DJ Craig. That's what it feels like sometimes. I'm just DJ Craig. It's weird. Origami intravenous hangs from the wall. Sending candles from Korea to make you well. We can talk, but you won't say nothing at all. We're fighting tears, you're fighting. Welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman. I am excited to be uh, bringing you the 30th episode of the podcast. That's pretty cool. Uh, did not expect to make it this far, but we're already coming up on almost a year. That's so weird. And today I'm really excited to bring you a conversation with my good friend Michi Tassi. Uh, Michi is the singer and songwriter and project runner of uh, Nature Shots, which released its first album uh, called Foreclosure just a few weeks ago. Uh, it is a fantastic, beautiful, heartbreaking, ambient release that is just absolutely going to change your life if you like that kind of music uh, we get into a talking about what what it what it took for Michi to write this album and some of the stories behind it I definitely tear up a bit in the conversation because because it is absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time Michi also plays in the band people like you uh, which put out one of my favorite albums last year if you might remember my like sixth episode fifth or sixth episode i interview sai body polly uh who is a member of people like you as well you're hearing some of her music right now so that gives you a little bit of an idea of what to expect throughout the episode and michi's also a music therapist so we get into a lot of the science about music impacts the brain and the neurological impacts and implications of what it's like when you listen to music and how our body responds to rhythm. It's honestly one of the most educational and fascinating episodes uh, that you're going to hear on this podcast. And I think it is perfectly aligned with the mission of what I'm really trying to bring with this podcast. Daily educators, people who are working with everyday people, uh, making a difference in other people's lives through whatever means. It's absolutely incredible. 
so yeah, I'm not going to dilly-dally a whole lot. If you like what you hear, tell your friends uh, to check out the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EduPunksPod. I am on Instagram and Twitter at CraigBiddedman. But yeah, let's not delay this too much longer. I want to get into this conversation with Michi because it, it is fascinating. Here we go. I'm sitting with Michi Tassi in your apartment here in downtown Boston. That's right. Where we live. It's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. You can see the common from here. Yeah. You have like the sickest view. It's awesome. Right? Yeah, I love it here. Through the saran wrap of winter. Uh, I did it myself. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, I Aww. insulated my windows. Oh, I haven't had to do that since I lived in Amherst, actually. We've been kind of lucky in Quincy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want a little breeze, you can just lift the plastic up and it, it just comes right through the window cracks. I don't want that at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I know a little bit about you uh, and I think fo- some folks listening might know a little bit about you, but tell folks a little bit about yourself. Ooh. Um, well, I hail from Manchester, New Hampshire, um, where I grew up. And, um, uh, about myself, wow. Um, I just, I finished, um, school at Berkeley College of Music last year, um, and I'm finishing up an internship right now, um, in music therapy, and I also, on the music side of things, play in a band called People Like You, where I sing and play keyboard, and more recently um, am part of a project, or am a project, called Nature Shots, which is, <laughs> you are <laughs> which <it>. is a <laughs> solo effort, yeah. <laughs> cool, and so how did you get into making music to begin with? Like, was it a part of your life growing up? Definitely was a part of my life. Um, I was thinking about that because I was reading over some of the questions that you sent me, and music was definitely accessible for me when I was growing up, but what I found was that, or like what I was reflecting on is that um, we had like instruments around the house, but my parents didn't really tell us how to use them. They were just like... (laughs) accessories here is a keyboard that is here for you to use um if you want to play it you can figure out how to use it (laughs) did they know how to play them no oh so okay so that was why i mean so my dad is really musical um and he had a 12 string guitar tucked away in the closet um with six strings on it so when I decided that I wanted to learn like a Taylor Swift song when I was like 12 years old, um, <laughs> there was this, as you like, do <laughs> <laughs> this like double wide like the necks on like yeah. a 12 string guitar oh, yeah. just like way bigger than my hands could have handled. But that's how I learned how to play guitar by like. You know, so instruments like music was very much like self-taught in our home. Um, when you di- when you transitioned to playing a regular guitar, was that easier or I was mean, it weirder? I mean, 
immensely immensely easier for sure i yeah i'm not i'm no like guitar neither am i you know (laughs) i can't tell you a damn chord i'm playing um i started jamming with sean duffy and i was like i can't tell you what i'm doing but if you have an ear for it this is how we're gonna get along this is what it sounds like (laughs) no it's actually kind of funny because um Oh, when I started learning on acoustic, mm-hmm. the first time I ever played an electric guitar, I was like, oh, this is way easier. Electric is way easier. I feel like I barely have to like do, do anything. anything. <laughs> and so, but I love acoustic so much more just by like the feel and the sound. I don't know. That's sure. just me, my personal pref. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So when did you start like knowing that music was something that you wanted to like even be involved in? Mm. Um, and like late high school, I think, um, I was playing, I was in the orchestra. I'll start there. I played violin for 10 years of my life. There we go. Um, (laughs) violin. Nice. I was talking to a patient today, um, at the hospital and they were like, oh yeah, I played violin for a couple years like treacherously and I was like well violin isn't really like a two-year instrument like you have to like dedicate your life to playing the violin for it to sound remotely listenable yeah (laughs) so anytime I've tried to touch a violin I've been like I I need to leave this to someone else it sounds broken or (laughs) something yeah so I played violin for 10 years and um in high school um I I kind of, I I just started playing more music. I had kind of a group of friends that was into the same music that I was into, um, specifically the entire discography of Regina Spector. There you go. Um, And so my friend Olivia and I would like sit in the hallway of the music department and like skip lunch to like, you know, learn songs and sing harmonies. And um, my friend, um, I went to high school with, Cam, Cameron Boucher, mm-hmm. um, who plays in Sorority Noise and Old Grey, and um, he was, like, a huge part of me kind of, like, exploring different mm-hmm. music styles and and just, like, and writing music and performing mm-hmm. together and stuff. Um, so by having this, like, really awesome group of friends to kind of, like, explore music creating, I, I was like, wow, this is something that, like, I really love doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to go into nursing and I dropped my senior year. I was elected to be the, the president of the orchestra and I dropped orchestra and, uh, declined the position because I thought it was really important that I take anatomy and physiology to start my nursing track (laughs) um later discovered or shortly after discovered that I would be pursuing music and attending uh Berkeley (laughs) which is a music school yeah um but yeah I think like kind of the having the two I really loved the idea of having a profession that involved uh healing and like working directly with people on their course to healing um and I was extremely passionate about music as well 
and um, my guidance counselor at the time was like, have you ever heard of music therapy? And Hmm. I was like, please tell me more. (laughs) And um, her son was, um, he was like seven years old at the time and um, had autism and was nonverbal. And his music therapist was using like mouth instruments, like recorders, harmonicas to create these different mouth shapes and thus different sounds, produce mm-hmm. different sounds um, to, to basically help him formulate words at the age of seven, which he had never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that is amazing. And, you know, she told me this really emotional story about him coming home and being yeah. able to say mom for the first time in seven years. Oh. And like, so I linked up with um, the therapist at the school he was going to and observed a couple sessions and I was like this is what I'm gonna do (laughs) wow that's awesome yeah that's so cool so that's how you found out about music therapy Mm -hmm. or yeah that was the first time I had ever heard about it wow so you got to actually connect love of music and even like technically some of the nursing stuff you were interested Mm -hmm. in right yeah for sure that's awesome what did that feel like the first time you learned that that was a thing I mean it was like (laughs) It was it was so exciting. I I was like, oh my god, what even is this? Like, and you know, my parents were like, oh, is this real? Like, can you do something with this? Like, (laughs) that's what most parents are worried about. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And like, my parents don't come from um, any sort of like financial stability of any means. So, of naturally, they're like, okay, like we're gonna send you to college. but like how is that going to be for your future and um but I went and I observed this therapist um and she was working with like a toddler um also with autism and they were playing like Obla di obla da by mm-hmm. the Beatles <laughs> and um, to facilitate movement and just like motor coordination and just like the way that I saw her facilitate that I was like this is awesome and then another one of the therapists was talking about um, kind of regaining motor strength after a stroke um, in an older patient that she had and using music to um, basically like rewire the brain, um, Hmm. to, to relearn like gross and fine motor movement and. Interesting. Yeah. That's all so fascinating to me. Cause like, I I mean, I don't have any, I don't even claim to have any understanding. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I do very much relate to like the idea of, um, when I found out the work that I could do was a thing, mm-hmm. it freaked me out. Yeah. Like when I was, I was a student body president at my undergrad at Oregon State. And when I started working with people in like student affairs, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you mean you work here? Like you help students this is all what day? what you do? Like you went to school for that? You get paid to do this? What? Money? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you have benefits and stuff? What the hell is that? So when I found out that that was a thing, I could like, just work with college students all day, it's like, oh, I'm going to go do that because it looks like you guys have fun all the time. Yeah, see you guys later. Right? I'm going to go do this. Um, what's some of the – so now that you're you're doing um, 
music therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that you've been learning, I guess, just even about yourself in um, the experiences you're having working with patients? Um, hmm. That is an awesome question. I just had my ri- my midterm review today with my supervisor, so we talked about all sorts of stuff. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's an insane experience. I work, um, the, the kind of, like, focused area that I work in right now is called neurologic music therapy, and that is, um, it's based on, a model of neuroscience, um, and, um, basically it's based on, on the research that music is a high, like a hardwired language in the brain. Um, and, and since music, there is no music center in the brain, like there is for motor, um, for there's a motor cortex and there's auditory processing areas and there's a language and a speech center, but there is no music center in the brain. Hmm. And therefore when we listen to music or, or play music, um, in create, in creating or perceiving, um, music is activating the brain globally, basically, hmm. um, or in, in several different areas of the brain. And, and because of that, we can use music to access these different areas um, of, like, motor function and speech processing and, and production um, and cognition. Because in, in perceiving or producing music, there is, like, a very intricate process of, of perception and cognition um, and motor control that is like activated by music. Um, that's, that's fascinating. So with <laughs> that tangent aside, I know that's, that's important. Yeah, that's, for that's sure. super important. This is an education podcast. <laughs> this is great. Amazing. <laughs> um, so with that knowledge, I, um, m- my internship is at Spalding rehab and we work on the stroke the stroke floor and the brain injury unit. And, um, so we're essentially using music to, um, to, to aid in the, in, in the rehabilitation of these motor and cognition and speech areas. Um, and like re using music to like rewire the brain um to be able to regain and retrain these functions um so in doing so i have found i mean in just being able to work with so many different people um from so many different backgrounds it i mean i'm just like constantly inspired by the people that i work with um, both the therapists and patients, because the patients that are there are some of the most hardworking, motivated people I've ever met. Um, and it's just been kind of like a lesson to me that I can apply those same, like, principles and, um, 
motivation, like that same motivation that they have to like everything that I do in my life, which is, you know, it's a goal right now. It's, (laughs) you know, I'm far from it, but like watching these people work hard to be able to go home, to be able to walk again, to talk again. Um, I'm like, we could be working that hard in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And also on kind of on the flip side of that, like when I come home, I, I've been learning a lot about self care. Um, (laughs) I know that's, yeah, that's your expertise. (laughs) Um, because when you're on, when you're emotionally on for 10 hours on a brain injury unit, um, and then you come home there, you sometimes have to just leave work at work as much as you're like, oh, I could be doing, you know, this extra research or like, I need to learn this thing or like create a session plan for tomorrow. And like, sometimes you just need to leave work at work Mm -hmm. and, and Mm -hmm. pick it up. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Can I get a snap? (laughs) Yes. Trust Um, me. I get that. Like, even today, like I was leaving my office and a student comes by and he's like, Hey, uh, can you talk for a second? I'm like, yep. Put my backpack down. What's going on? Like, cause I don't want to like have that one interaction be one that like, if I wasn't able to stay there, like something bad would have happened. Like that always flashes through my mm-hmm. brain. And when I come home at the end of the day and my partner and I've talked about this on the podcast a little bit, like at the end of the day, when we both come home, cause we both work in college, mm-hmm. we're just like, Let's not talk about work today. <laughs> Let's just put on some TV and worry about work when we get back to work tomorrow. Totally. It's hard though, I imagine, because you develop a lot of uh, relationships with your patients. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of like some what are some breakthroughs that you've kind of been able to witness um, in doing this work? Um. Well, I have to remind myself that um not while everyone is like making gains Mm -hmm. and um I get to witness incredible strides um that people make while they're while they're in recovery um it's not every story is like a magic experience yeah there's like progress right for sure um but one of one of my favorite people to work with was um, a man who, he was like in, uh, in his like late 40s, I would say. He was a, a father, of, he had a couple kids um, and had suffered a stroke and was just crazy about music mm. and... Um, a lot of our sessions can be really, like, we try to make them exciting, of course, but there there are times where it's very difficult when you're working with, like, um, working on cognition goals and your patients can't, your patient can't even focus on the directions that you're giving them it because their, their cognition is so impaired. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a very, like, draining, <laughs> like, slow process. Yeah. Um, but one one breakthrough that I was able to witness was 
um, this man who just had a love for music and, and because of that, like, we, we would set up, like, he was working on, um, like, balance, just, um, trunk control and, um, upper extremity movements, his left arm and his left leg were, um, impaired due to, due to the stroke. Um, so we would, I love, like, one thing that I love about this work is that we get to be super creative, um, even though we're administering this kind of, like, structured protocol, um, we get to be creative Mm -hmm. in how we administer it. Um, so the goal was basically standing balance and we set up a hi-hat for him and a paddle drum, which we would hold above his head. And then another paddle drum, which we would hold, you know, to like the far left, um, and like a, a djembe or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was kind of this, like, configured drum kit, if you will, in standing position. (laughs) So he would work on balancing on the left leg and using the hi-hat with the right foot and then would reach up above his head to, like, hit the paddle drum and to the left and down um, while we were playing a song for him. So he would Mm -hmm. get to, like, we we use client-preferred music mm-hmm. um, so that it's the most motivating for mm-hmm. the client and you honestly see just crazy uh, results when people are into the you know the music yeah. that they love uh, so we would do like me and Julio down by the schoolyard <laughs> do some Paul Simon we do some you know classic rock or whatever um, and he would just get so into it and it's, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, like, over a podcast exactly, but, like, (laughs) to be able to see the difference, uh, you know, for someone to say, like, lift your arm, try to touch your hand to my hand, Mm -hmm. and, um, having them try to raise their hand as high as they can, like, there's nothing, besides wanting to get better, there's nothing that, is exactly motivating you to accomplish that task. You know, there's nothing like in your body that is like, okay, I'm gonna do it this time. Like, you know, I'm gonna stop being, you know, stop having this impairment. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just gonna do it. But there's something about music that, I mean, scientifically, but also very emotionally drives people. If you think about listening to music while you're running but also like the motor cortex and the auditory cortex are right next to each other and because of that they're very closely linked and so I mean I think it's a very like obvious example but if you you know go into kind of like the science of it like that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That like, makes sense. You know, someone puts on music, like, you're going to start tapping your foot. Like, uh-huh. why? You know, it's if, because... If you're listening to faster music... Like, I've found that... So sometimes I'll run to podcasts when I'm really just trying to, like, be at, like, a steady pace mm-hmm. that I can set myself. Mm-hmm. But then there are some days where I'm like, I need to step it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'll put on, like, something punk or something hardcore. Sure. 
and I'll literally find myself, I'll listen to my map, my run, say, like, whatever, I ran that mile um, almost a minute faster. Like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. Okay, I can tailor it back a little bit. Maybe uh-huh. change the band. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's I didn't know that that was so linked. Right, and <clears throat> it's I mean our we're we're born with an an innate ability to entrain to rhythm, and mm. that's just kind of the way things are. Like, uh, but we use that in music therapy um, or in NMT specifically, like. Uh, to help people learn how to walk again. And um, with someone who suffered a stroke, you'll notice that their gait patterns are not symmetrical. It'll be like step and drag the left foot, step and drag. And as soon, like, you know, the PT can be like, okay, step, 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 you know, like, okay, like, oh, pick up that left knee. But as soon as you put music to it, they want to walk on the beat. And it creates a symmetry in their movement. Hmm. And in doing so, they're also strengthening that leg. And once they build up the strength, you can increase the tempo. And when you increase the tempo, they're going to start walking at a faster pace and their cadence is going to increase. And Hmm. so that's what we do to, you know, for gait training, for for walking with stroke patients and um I've seen just like (laughs) I I'm laughing because it's like it's honestly insane (laughs) (laughs) just like you know you'll see someone going from walking with a walker and the PT will be like okay we're working on walking with a walker it's gonna go walker right left walker right left And then by the end of the session, they're either walking with, like, a cane or with nothing at all and at a much faster tempo and Mm. at a much more symmetrical um, pattern. And it it helps with balance and, um, you know, I, I can't really emphasize enough, like... You know, obviously, of it's for some people, it's a much slower process. But I have seen people just, you know, take off because of rhythm. Because of rhythm, that's the most important part of it. All right, every month I try to hype up my friends in Table Turned because they do a great vinyl subscription membership program. I get a record every single month from them. Sometimes too, just because they're nice. It's fantastic. Uh, I recently sent the owners uh, a record of my own just to be like, hey, thanks for being like the best people alive. If you want to get a get on board with their record subscription membership, you can sign up right now. They have two new genres, post hardcore and shoegaze revival, that are still available for the early bird price of $160 for the year. That's like that's like less than $14 a record and you get one every single month shipping included with a bunch of cool information that comes in and they're often really sick variants as well I just got a really cool color pressing of Giants uh, They the Undeserving which is a really great uh, post-rock album but yeah if you like 
records and if you like post-hardcore music especially around the the realm of like La Dispute, Thursday, Touche More, bands like that definitely go for the post-hardcore genre but if you also like shoegaze music maybe you like some nothing some pity sex maybe my bloody valentine you can get the shoegaze revival one uh after uh i think it's uh just just over a month left uh for getting the early bird price and then you can change it up to monthly pay i think it's like 15 or 16 dollars a month but you can right now get it for a super cheap price 160 dollars for the year by the middle of march uh, the rate will go up to $175. I'll remind you all one more time in just a few weeks uh, before the deadline ends, but this is honestly the best time to get it right now. I'm going to probably re-up next week when I get uh, uh, another paycheck. So hell yeah, I want my table turned every single month. It's a nice thing to look forward to. I love it. And you'll love it too because they're great to work with they're really responsive if you have questions or if you have concerns with your records uh, and they're just really great people to work with and to support so yeah table turned it's table-turned.com that's table-turned t-u-r-n-e-d.com table-turned.com get your records in your house every month all right let's get back to this conversation with michi tassi like it could be kind of frustrating when like you're hoping someone to make a mm. certain amount of progress mm. and it just might not be working mm. like how do you switch up a person's potential needs or treatment mm-hmm. in seeing that maybe something's not working hmm. yeah I mean I think just in the nature of rehab like mm. you you have to learn that everyone's recovery path is going to be super different and individualized and um when things aren't going as planned or someone isn't getting better as as quickly as they would hope um I think more so it's kind of like sadness or like I've found frustration in you know I've gotten really attached to to clients or like I shouldn't use we try not to get attached, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you build these really special yeah. bonds with people. You spend a lot of time helping helping facilitate um, different people's recovery. And sometimes things like things happen like their insurance runs out mm. and they just stop being able to receive treatment um, or they they have to go home or they have to go to um, like a special like a skilled nursing facility and. And you see that this person could make so much more progress in their recovery if they just had time and resources. And that's probably the most frustrating thing is seeing how much better someone could get and seeing that that you are also making a change and the other therapists are also making a change but it's just that the resources ran out, and I think mm-hmm. that's the most frustrating part of it. Um, but in cases where... We've also had cases where patients are um, kind of, like, not cooperative, mm. and and that is almost never... It's 
I think like the the, <laughs> the biggest part to understand is that we work on a brain injury unit mm-hmm. and so people are not themselves yeah. the way that they used to be mm-hmm. and so you don't take anything personally um of course you're always like you are always checking yourself and you're always um you know am I doing the best that I could be doing for this person am I what this person needs right now but but ultimately if someone lashes out at you and they have a brain injury you're gonna be like well you know (laughs) like you know you take it in stride (laughs) yeah and um so that's kind of what I have to say about that. But okay. I've I've never been frustrated with a patient for their behavior. All of our patients are honestly sometimes more uh, well-behaved and kind and sweet and tender than, like, some of the people that I work with. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess speaking of folks that you kind of like technically get to work with, like mm. being in a band. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, when did you start making music with people like you? Um, I guess it was over three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe almost four. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And y'all put out one of my favorite albums last year, Aww. which was in my top 20 amazing of 200 so i'm just saying (laughs) that's a pretty big percentile to be in uh how how has been the process of joining the band being a part of the band making music in that band um uh setup how does how is that for you it's a whirlwind of (laughs) adventure um seems like you're always around music (laughs) yeah I I definitely am I didn't think about that actually it's funny like when I get out of work and I get on the shuttle with other therapists I put my headphones in and listen to more music and like the other therapists get on the bus and like check their emails or like you know text someone and I'm like oh, I'm going to listen to this album that I love, <laughs> that I've listened to like 50 times. And I, yeah, I just, I can't get away from it. Can't get away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as far as people like you is concerned, I just, I, I get to play music and write music with some of the most talented and kind-hearted people that I know. Um, so it is always a trip and it is always exciting for me. (laughs) You guys did a couple tours last year. You just did one in the winter, right? Mm -hmm. How did that one go? It was awesome. Um, that one was, it was like a top shelf sampler tour. Top shelf is a, the record label that we released our record through. Um, so we got to, or at least I got to meet for the first time, some bands that I had never, like, known before, mm-hmm. really, or had only heard of. Um, mainly Slingshot Dakota. Um, and then Prawn was the headliner. Yeah. And then... Prawn is so good. <laughs> yeah. They're so good. <laughs> and so nice. Yeah. They're just, yeah, all around sweet people. I think that was the best part of tour. Um, and then alternating dates was Us and Us Only and uh, Queen Moo. Who so, are also ridiculous. Who are also just, <clears throat> yeah, when Queen Moo took the second leg of the tour, 
um, we were just like, the avant-garde um, game has just increased by like <laughs> seven notches. Um, but it was amazing. And, you know, every single night we get to listen and and watch this performance, these performances. And, and also, as anyone who's ever been on tour with another band probably understands, you get to know people on a very like different crazy level um and experience like you know who they are in music and outside of music and under stress and under um you know weird sleeping uh provisions and like you know what and it was in the you. winter right? and it was <laughs> in the winter like <laughs> you were in the mid, like pretty close to the midwest right yeah we went out to i mean chicago is yeah the furthest we went. i was there in December mm-hmm. and January, and it was rough. Yeah, that wind. It's rough. <laughs> I it's it's a lot. Um, but nature shots. That's you. That's, that's me. And you just put out a new album, Foreclosure, mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago, and we've already covered this online. Cassette release. I don't really buy cassettes, <laughs> but I got one specifically because I wanted to support the physical really I love physical music and I was like damn it I'm gonna listen to this in its form yeah I got a cassette player off of Amazon didn't know you could do that oh my god (laughs) it was like 13 bucks so I was like all right we'll give this a shot I've got a couple of these just hanging around but can you talk a little bit about what it was like putting uh putting together this album and um because I think I saw you around the time you recorded it. Mm-hmm. It was in the summer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what was that process like, putting this one together? Um, a also just crazy experience <laughs> <laughs> all around. Um, foreclosure has been kind of in the works and not even intentionally in the works, but like some of these songs were being written four years ago. Um, and, and really a lot of these songs were just, like, thought processes. Um, the album basically, from front to back, is, um, my observations on being present during the illness of a friend. Um, one of my childhood friends was diagnosed with brain cancer and passed two years later. Um, and so the album basically just details different observations that I had through the time, um, that she was sick and, and following that and, um, kind of you know, there's, there's different viewpoints in different songs, um, of different people who were present, and it was kind of a way for me to process in real time what was happening, so I was writing these songs, like, you know, after I had just gotten home from a weekend visit, and, you know, where the hospice nurse was staying overnight and falling asleep on the couch or, um, or what, you know, these just 
little, these moments that I saw and was there for, um, but not necessarily, like, things that you would want to bring back up, like, Mm. um, you know, the moment where my friend was, you know, in, they had a hospital bed brought into the house so that she could be, um, accommodated, but still comfortable, and, um, and she was there, and her family was, you know, making arrangements for the funeral, and, you know, like, who's going to take what responsibility, and where, like, where should she be, where should she end up, and, um, you know, what's the most beautiful way for this to happen, and so it's, you know, these, like, these moments, um, that I've, you know, was just present for, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, kind of got to experience, or, like, witness this, the human experience of death and um and kind of process how that went and so that's that's basically foreclosure and um and and kind of quickly or soon after um was also the passing of my grandmother who was like the favorite grandparent and you know, um, who Nature Shots is named after um, for her 90s style camcorder recording technique of <laughs> slow zooming from the porch in silence into like a beautiful flower 50 feet away, um, which I named her Nature Shots. And... Um, so, so yeah, so the kind of the creation and um, putting together of the album was, um, it kind of happened in a very organic way because it was just happening um, as time does, and and then the recording process. Um, you worked with Kim on it, right? I did, yeah. yeah, and we recorded at his studio in Philly which is above a metal shop and oh. it's on the second floor. So it's, and, and they, they built it themselves. So, um, it was, it was awesome since Cam and I have been writing music and like playing and recording music together since, you know, we were in high school. It felt like a really, it, it was a really awesome way to kind of like put this together and his style is is very emotionally mm-hmm. focused. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, we weren't so worried about, or at least going into this, I, I knew that like my work was in good hands and I knew that it was going to come out sounding the way that I felt. Mm. Um, and, and that proved to be true. And I was honestly shocked. And <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know this was going to sound like this. Oh, my gosh. Right. Um, but it was awesome. We weren't so focused on, like, getting um, the most pristine sounds. But it, it was more kind of, like, rooted in um, 
creating the most impactful sounds and yeah. um it's like atmospherically it's <clears throat> it's really affecting that's what i found uh the first time i listened to it was in my it was actually in my office and i actually had text Psy mm. because i was sitting and i was reading some feminist theory on <laughs> like sex positivity and i was like i'm listening to michi's album right now while reading some feminist theory on sex positivity and he goes that's honestly amazing <laughs> and I go this feels so weird but I love it it's like the perfect ambiance for me to be just engrossed right now and then I was able to like really soak in it um I like took a break and just laid down on my floor and listened to it the second time um which is such a, a trip to be able to do just sit down and let an album like engulf you really mm. and it's hard to get um and i think that's a testament to the pacing to the balance to everything that you all put into that album because sometimes i'll tr i'll sit i'll lay down or sit down with the intent of doing that and then i'll be like mm. <laughs> i'm gonna move on now <laughs> but like i i just laid there and just let it like because I, I think you and I had like messaged a little bit about what it was about. And like I had written an album about mm. losing my dad. And I was choking up a little bit while you were explaining about your friend. Because that th my dad died the day they brought in the hospice bed. Like that was the day mm. he died. And so when I'm listening to you tell some of the stories, it was just like kind of taking me to a place where I was like, I remember. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you realize grief is while experienced differently it's understood universally mm. and i think that you captured that very well so hell yeah for that <laughs> <laughs> but also like it came to the i, I get what you're saying where you're like you never know what the sound what the actual output's going to be like mm. while you're making it um was there uh, any sort of because you brought in like a lot of different types of even instruments to it and in the and the live show is has like what a cello and electric <laughs> electric guitar uh, acoustic sure. guitar keys um, and you use them quite sporadically and liberally where were you making some of those decisions on what to use and when uh, in in the recording process it. I had ideas of where things were going to go, um, but the recording process was very much, well, first of all, we recorded every song front to back, um, essentially, opposed to, you know, in people like you, we record the drums first, and then we record the bass mm -hmm. on all 13 songs, and yeah. then the guitars, and whatever. Oh, and so you went song by song? We went song by song, Okay. Yeah. So it was like, in instead of being like, okay, we're done with guitars, it was like we wanted to complete a full song to know that it felt right, mm -hmm. and we had built on it and were thoroughly like combing through um, to make sure that it captured what we wanted it to capture. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, this piece is finished moving on to the next thing um so adding like texture and um and instrumentation wasn't super difficult um the album is also really minimal mm -hmm. um as far as instrumentation is concerned so you know a lot of it um 
was kind of like post-production um sitting down with cam and um being like oh i i really want it to sound like it's raining Mm -hmm. you know um i want it to sound like i'm walking home in the rain Mm. or like um i want this to sound like i am standing on the opposite side of the room Mm. uh etc so a lot of it was kind of that like post-production like this is what I want it to feel like and um and and live um Addie the the cellist who played for my release show I met a week before the show and because I posted on Facebook and there um Adam yeah (laughs) yeah so Adam Ackerman played upright bass on the album on two songs and I was like damn I don't think Adam's gonna drive up from Philly so I'm gonna find a string player to play my release show because that's what I want and it's my show and (laughs) so I posted on Facebook in internet fashion and I was like do I know any cellists in the area because upright basses are really hard to transport and um Mm -hmm. yeah so and I got a few responses so I met with Addie and and she ended up playing the release show and added so much to it Mm -hmm. um and then Adam ended up coming anyway <laughs> yeah, <that> was... <laughs> and played kind of like a roadsy, you know, kind of vintage keyboard. Um, so it was awesome. <laughs> Dude, the, rele- the release show was one of the most beautiful things I've experienced. And I was really thankful that I was able to make it out for it because, like, it was just a room filled with love. And, like, I've only been mm. in and around the scene for a couple of years now, just kind of, like, transplanted myself into it. And it just felt like everyone there was just so excited to support you mm. and support the music and support the art and um, was really there and and present the entire time. And that's what I loved. Because, like, I was, like, looking around a little bit, like, during some of the – any of the performers and even yours, and people were – not on their phones, which mm-hmm. is like the most beautiful thing at a fucking gig <laughs> is when people are not on their phones and they're actually giving you the mm-hmm. space. And that's beautiful. Um, what did you, when you did the release, um, had you put a lot of thought into how the songs were going to translate live? Or um, do you have a lot of plans for playing a lot more? live out with with the band solo how how's that looking for you moving forward I think it's going to take a couple different shapes um along the way and that will I I always kind of just imagine that I would that the live performance would be a little bit different Mm -hmm. than the recorded um and and that's fine I think that it's cool to be able to experience kind of like an intimacy of of a solo performer um versus you know their recorded material and I think I don't know I haven't thought about it too much I have a couple shows lined up and um I'm not really very structured musically Mm -hmm. like um my songs don't follow a very strict structure and 
And so, like, when I perform, I'm kind of like, oh, like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> like, I wonder what it's going to be. So I don't know if I'm going to, you know, end up playing with a band or if, if I'm going to have musicians here and there playing with me or if I'm just going to kind of um, do it solo. But I think it'll just kind of be whatever you know <laughs> whatever yeah. happens i don't have plans it's for your it. project <laughs> do what you want to do sure i mean i've been playing solo <clears throat> like in college i screamed in a metal band i don't know if you ever knew that oh lovely but i was in a metalcore band in college which was sick mm-hmm. but um i decided to start learning guitar and playing music and so i've been doing solo for about nine years now mm-hmm. and i'm only just now putting together like i had i had a backing band for a little bit in Oregon, but it mm. was more of like they were there to like, because they were my friends. Mm. Now I've like got people around me because they want to help make the music, yeah. and that's really exciting. And but I'm also learning it is so different to write music for a band than it is to just write for yourself. Mm. And while I love writing for myself, I've felt that even just writing in a band, it's pushing me so much more. Um, what are some of the differences that you're kind of maybe even noticing in writing songs for yourself as opposed to writing with a group? Mm-hmm. Um, do you enjoy writing just for yourself? <laughs> Is the intimacy of the solo performance exciting or terrifying? <laughs> uh, all of the above, <laughs> for sure. Um, performing solo is always um, just in an eye-opening experience in the way that you never you're like oh this is going to be the time where I'm not nervous and <laughs> this game um, this, this one it's game. this one it's this one oh never mind it's going to be the next one and um I don't know it's terrifying with a band you have you have other people to fall back on and mm-hmm. if if um if you forget the song if you're just like yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> what note? Jazz. It's jazz. Now it's jazz. Now it's just jazz. Um, this is all improvisational. Yeah. All these songs. This is performance art. <laughs> then, yeah, then you have other people to be like, oh, no, fuck, you're supposed to be playing an E-flat, diminished seven, whatever. And Ugh. so, um, yeah, so... Performing solo is naturally just like a super vulnerable thing. Um, and um, hmm, one thing about playing with a band definitely is challenging in the way that um, it is being in a band is like being in a five-way relationship (laughs) and so it just like it works like any relationship like if one if you're like hey I'd really like to see you twice a week and your bandmates are like um I I respect you a lot and I enjoy your company and I think you're really great but I would appreciate it if we only saw each other twice a month. Um, <laughs> communication is key. Yeah. Any relationship. As long as everyone's on the same page, no one's going to get hurt. Exactly. So Consensual um, <laughs> band relationships. Exactly. So 
that's kind of how I feel about that. But I I love um, I love playing with the people that I play with, mm-hmm. and they are constantly, constantly, constantly challenging me to be a better musician, and um, they just you know they open my brain to all of these new ideas, and I I'm playing with just really really talented people like skilled very skilled musicians and coming from a background of um of kind of like oh this sounds good um playing with people who just like know their shit is like you know has been extremely intimidating and gone from that to like okay well I just need to like play better like you know and and it challenges the shit out of me and <laughs> and it's awesome and i love i love it yeah all right it's time for the music break portion of the podcast and this week i'm bringing you the song a prayer begging by nature shots uh it's off the new album for closure which you just got to hear the whole story behind it's heartbreaking there's a lot of sad stuff in here, but as someone who loves, nay, craves sad music, I definitely believe that there is a lot of um, a lot of learning to be found in folks that are vulnerable enough to share raw, emotional music like this. And I'm really excited for you all to hear the song. You've been hearing bits and pieces of the album throughout this episode. And right now you're going to get to hear a full song from beginning to end without my voice over it. So you can enjoy uh, all of the beauty of the music that Michi has created. And I hope you all enjoy it. If you like what you hear, please go to natureshots.bandcamp.com or find Nature Shots on Instagram and Facebook. You can keep up with everything that Michi's going to be up to playing some solo gigs these days. Very exciting. And now here is a prayer begging by Nature Shots. Trembling hands placed on your head, demanding God to meet you here. The warmth inside your body hadn't left you yet. As we sang and joined in prayer, they came in through the frozen air. A father and a son, they came to take you away. Inside my heart was raging, how could they be so heartless? An angel on the earth was being crawled into the Placed on your head, demanding God 
I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, that was a, a prayer begging by Nature Shots. Again, if you like what you heard, please go to natureshots.bandcamp.com. Get yourself a digital copy. Reach out to Michi. Get yourself a cassette. I got a cassette. I bought a cassette player so I could listen to it. I listened to it the other night while I was just laying on my couch. It was a beautiful experience. It's wonderful to have in your ears. And I, I, I cannot, I will not lead you astray in telling you this is a very beautiful very powerful album so check it out now let's finish up this conversation with michi where she's about to have a panic attack and it's hilarious <laughs> all right so let's wrap this up with some lightning round questions i'm just gonna ask you some very personal questions oh boy about things that you like to do awesome. <laughs> and that interest you like what's your favorite color Oh, am I supposed to be answering this fast? <laughs> it's a lightning <laughs> round. Um. Uh, periwinkle. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite food? <laughs> I'm the worst person to ask questions to under pressure and quickly because I like a lot of time to make decisions. I can never choose an ice cream flavor unless I have like 30 minutes to look at all the flavors and make a decision. I can't really do this, but I'm going to say that I love any type of Asian food. For the last hour, you've been the chill as fuck. And the second I ask you what your favorite food is, you freak. I cannot. I hate that shit. What's your favorite TV show? I don't watch TV. At all? Only when I'm hanging out with Sai. We okay. watch Arrested Development. Oh. You know I have two Arrested Development tattoos. Oh. Right? Oh, wait. I heard about one of them. Yeah, I have the bees beads. Beads? Beads. Bees. Beads. Bees. <laughs> beads. Oh, my God. And I have the C word on my shin. <laughs> the ship. The C word. The ship. The C word. <laughs> the ship. <laughs> the C word. Um, what about movies? Do you watch movies? Do you have a favorite movie? Um, 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 I still feel like I have to answer really fast. You don't. You really don't. Because I can answer okay. all this. Um, I think the movie that I've watched the most times in the past couple years is Francis Ha. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen it? I actually haven't. It's on Netflix. Greta Gerwig is the main actress. Okay. And Greta Gerwig is the... Lady Bird? Yes. That's it. That's yeah. right. I do remember that. She is the ladybird. She is the ladybird. Not Lyndon, Lyndon B, LBJ's dog. Mm-hmm. The only reason I know that is because of King of the Hill. Oh. Hank Hill's dog is ladybird because of LBJ. Oh. That's the only reason I know that. Oh, of course. It's whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, what, what's, a, what's a favorite band that you have? Or what do you, who do you like to listen to, like, all the time? I have been listening to... Um, the new Deer Hoof record mm. a lot, and I've been listening to Margaret Glosby and Big Thief. Oh, that Big Thief album was so good. Yeah. We got to gush over it last week on the podcast, two mm. weeks ago on the podcast, when we did our album review. Nice. It was, it was all over, the, oh man, that, that <laughs> Big Thief album is... It's a it's a whole lot, man. It is. Um, oh wait, there's one more. Okay. I've been listening to um, Leanne Lahavis. 
the Blood I album. To, oh my god. Woo! Yes. I can talk about Liam I need to like, just get that out there. When that album came out, 2015, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, I, I, can't, I stumbled across Green and Gold. And I was like, is this, like, is Jennifer Hudson doing, like, <laughs> her own thing now? Because oh Leanne LaHuffus is, like, the new Jennifer Hudson, mm, and I'm here for amazing. it. And she's such a talented guitarist. Mm. Like, she, I, I've watched a bunch of, like, her... Like, stuff that she just does in her living room or, like, mm. these living room sessions she does. And she just, like, as chill as fuck, just, like, <laughs> grooves the most sensual way and just sings, like, her voice is the biggest thing in the room. It's mm. so, so impressive. Sai showed me her. My partner Sai showed me her. And I got super hooked. And now I just, I listen to that album all the time. It's so, so great. Do you have a worst job you've ever had? Um, One that you just weren't a big fan of. I waitressed at a chocolate restaurant for three years. A chocolate restaurant? Max Brenner. Oh, so just like right over there. Boylston Street, Okay, yeah. wasn't that yeah. much fun. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was something. It was waitressing. I mean, my biggest qualm is that waitressing just it just takes a lot out of you yeah I and that's a, coming from someone who works on a brain injury unit yeah i mean I was, I was a bartender and uh waiter server for about a year and after that year i was pretty much convinced i never had to do that again uh-huh. like ever yeah not fun yeah um yeah i think that's all i got oh you survived the lightning round. I answered everything so slowly. But you, and you only bad. had one real panic attack. I know. <laughs> My favorite flower is the magnolia. Oh, there we go. Do you have any other favorites that you have? What about favorite tea? You've been drinking tea. Anything like, herbal. Anything herbal. Yeah. I like like what I don't know how to say it. Rooibos. Rooibos. I love that. Love me a rooibos. I love anything. This is gonna sound weird. I love anything that tastes close to dirt. Earthy, like, like yeah, something like earthy. Yeah, I like earthy. Like when I drank, I liked the the beers that tasted like almost like coffee. Like, yeah, like, like stouts. Yeah, I loved Ooh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was like and bitter stuff. Like I'm really I'm a big fan of ginger. Oh, I love ginger. Anything ginger. Anything. Raw like, ginger. Oh my god. Give it to me. <laughs> I love ginger. So and like Katie hates it, and so there will be times where like I'll just like have I'll just like. I like have this tea that's I got it at Costco. It's just honey ginger and it's like a molasses. Yeah. And you just mix it into hot water. That's it. That's the whole tea. That's amazing. And I just would like have this jar and I would just smell it. Uh huh. Because it just smells like everything I want in my life. I have something like that except it's oranges. Oh, okay. It's like say not. It's not Ceylon. It's like citron or like. I don't know. I got it at like an Asian food mart and you just take a spoonful of it and put it on hot water. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, like, so like ginger ales or ginger brews. Ginger beer is my shit. Oh man. And I started, I stopped drinking coffee for a few years and Mm. then I recently got back into it. And when I, when I was drinking coffee, nitro cold brew didn't exist and now it does. And so I had a nitro cold brew for the first time when I was in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago and it's my thing now. 
Oh. I absolutely love it. It's weird. It reminds me of stout beers. It's like it's <laughs> like drinking coffee from a keg. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. It's exactly what it I is. I hate it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because like as a recovering alcoholic, and I've had to talk to my therapist about this, I'm like, sure. should I be concerned that I'm really enjoying <laughs> your nitro cold brews? My ni- but the thing is, like, I can't have them very often because yeah. I can't get to a star. We don't even have a Starbucks in Quincy. Oh. Well, we do, but it's like in Quincy College, mm. and so like I don't even have access really to it. So the only times I could have it is like once a week on the weekend if mm. I if I go out of my way to find one. Right. And so. I was like, don't worry too much, but I'm not, I'm not going to, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> I can promise. But it's kind of like, oh did you ever see Super Size Me? No, I never watched it. So Super Size Me in the, he like goes around and eats a bunch of McDonald's. But the one rule is he ne- he will never order Super Size unless they ask him. Oh, like, okay. Would you like to supersize that? Yeah. Well then, yep, I will. Like That's the only time he would. And he did it seven times throughout the entire month. So my whole thing is, if I go to a Starbucks and they have nitro, I guess I'm getting nitro. Mm. It's like this: if I see it, I guess I'm getting it. Guess I'm gonna have I it. I guess I'm gonna have to have this earthy, thick, cold coffee. That tastes like dirt. And I love it. Dirt. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Michi, thank you so much for chatting with me tonight. Thank you. Sorry for all of the, you know, Boston of it all getting over here. Aww. <laughs> but thank you so I'm much. I'm glad you made it. Yeah, I'm glad I did too. This was such a fun, uh, educational <laughs> I conversation. Had, I had a lovely time. I know, as soon as you get me on that track, I'm like, here's everything I know about this thing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you because I love it. It's great because I'll do that about pro wrestling, and uh, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> okay, we'll have to sit down another time. <laughs> and then you can interview me about pro wrestling. Good, yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. We did it. Another episode done. Thank you to Michi for chatting with me this week. Uh, One of my favorite conversations that I've gotten to have, just getting to chill out with someone and just talk about something that they absolutely love to do. And it's at the service of other people. And I think it's just such a fascinating um, world in which she gets to serve and work. And I'm very thankful to be friends uh, to be friends with her and to support her music, uh, natureshots.bandcamp.com. If you liked any of the music that you heard throughout this episode, and at the very end, I'm going to play a little bit more. If you like any of that stuff, go to natureshots.bandcamp.com. Get the album for closure. It is beautiful. I think I've already gushed a whole bunch over it, but I think you would like it if you've liked what you've heard so far. And definitely go to Table Turned if you want a monthly vinyl subscription that sends a, a really great record to your uh, to your door based on a genre that you like. They got post-hardcore, they got shoegaze records waiting for you. Uh, if you want to sign up, they got the early bird price of $160 for the year. Still ready for the next month. So you've got time. Go to table-turned.com and get yours now. Okay, if you liked what you heard on this episode, please uh, like and subscribe on the ed- uh, on. 
please like and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, EduPunks Podcast, leave us a review, leave us some stars, whatever you want to do. Be really helpful for me. That'd be really, really sweet. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at EduPunks Pod. You can follow me at Craig Bidedman. Next week, I'll be back with another conversation. I think that's all I got. Hope you're all doing well. The world's weird right now, but I'm trying to bring us conversations that are can distract us a little bit from the weirdness of the world right now. Hope you're all taking care of each other. And if you've made it this far, thanks for supporting the podcast. Now, let's get to work. We're singing autumn leaves drifting by you She says, Mama, Mama.